Hello, gorgeous, gorgeous girls, and welcome back to another episode of Girlfriends. I'm Lindsay, and today I am joined by Blaine from Ladies and Ligaments for our first movie review of 2024. How exciting! How are you doing, Blaine? I'm so excited. When you asked me to join this podcast again, I was like, yes, this is like exactly what I've been looking for. This kind of fun slumber party vibe. Like yes. you are perfect. And I, I'm so glad to be back. Thank you. Good. I'm I'm so glad you're back. Uh, and today we're talking about such a fun film as well. Like I'm glad we've kind of gone in with something a bit silly, a bit fun, um like not too serious for the first review back and we're talking about burying the ex um i had never heard of this film before like at all and we'll kind of get into like why like later on uh with this but um what made you what made you go for burying the ex so Back when, I think this is how it came into my life, back when Prime Video was still fairly new, I believe this was one of the first films included in in Prime Video. So I watched it because 2014, I mean, that was peak Anton Yelkin time. And it was just as like Twilight was still really big. And, you know, Ashley Green was really cool. And Alexander Daddario was just always hot and wonderful and perfect and everything she was in um so I it was instant like of course I'm gonna watch this and then to find out after that it was directed by Joe Dante of like gremlins and the howling and all of that I was just like this how did I not know about this um and it maybe was like a year or two after it came out um but I love it's camp from start to finish. It's just the misogyny is very campy and the comedy is very misogynist, which is also very campy. And it's just, if you can take it all with the notion that this is a nod to B-movies, it is so fun. It's so vibrant and hilarious. And just also the effects are really beautiful. They did a great job with the uh, practical effects. But yeah, that's how it came into my life. And that's why um, I was really excited when you said like, hey, yeah, whatever movie you want. Um, I'd been hiding this in my back pocket. Um, and when people ask me like, which movie do you want to cover? I think about this one, but I'm always just like, well, maybe it's not cool enough. <laughs> so I, I just said, fuck it. And I just decided to be very uncool today. And I'm glad it worked in our favor because it is a lot of fun. It's so much fun and it just got me thinking about like kind of like rom-coms in general because this is very much like, a, you know how they refer to, um oh shit, what's it called? Warm Bodies is like a zom rom-com and like <laughs> Zombieland. I feel like this like at its core is like the zom rom-com. Um, when they refer to that very niche genre, they really should be thinking about this film. And it just got me thinking about like rom-coms and stuff in general. Like we don't have these fun little mid-budget movies anymore. Um and I kind of see with like anyone but you and Glenn Powell who's hilarious of watching the Scream Queens at the moment. He's so funny in that. And I really want to see anyone but that. you. Because oh. it's he's gonna be so funny in anyone but you as well. And it's like we we need more of this film. I know that's not a very like horror centered opinion to have, but it got me thinking about those kind of films. And it's like they are very two thousands 
and or maybe it's like a nostalgia thing but it's like I, I want more of that yeah I mean they it seems very formulaic in the best way where you can kind of see okay you know it's a guy who d- doesn't know how to get out of this relationship so he kind of drifts toward another person and then he gets himself stuck between these two people but throw in a zombie and it's just 80 times more exciting and fun and it it becomes a little more gray and yeah he wants to get rid of the zombie but he's kind of the reason she's a zombie like it's oh ridiculous and you're not used to seeing Anton Yelkin in a more of a villain or a bad guy role or at least not the asshole boyfriend role Mm. um and he knocked it out of the park like he played it so earnestly that it took me a couple watches to be like oh wait no he is the fucking bad guy fuck him like he ah just so great um I, I I love thinking about the through lines of burying the ex and warm bodies and other like zombie movies like um Zombieland uh that I don't know what it is about zombies that are so accessible to rom-coms but it's just hilarious because even at in uh Shaun of the Dead that's a rom-com and Mm. at the end you know there's the woman who's like well I love him he's my boyfriend and she's like do you have sex with it (laughs) (laughs) oh god I forgot about that yeah there's so much about zombies I, I that makes me just want to crack a human skull wide open and be like what is about us that we're like yes undead people that's so hot and romantic <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's that whole thing of like together forever isn't it like when you get married it's um till death do us part but what if there's more than that I don't know if there's yeah. something there death and <laughs> um so yeah before we like really really get into this film Blaine do you want to tell our lovely listeners a bit more about yourself and kind of what you get up to in the horror sphere okay oh hi I'm um so Blaine Waterloo hi that's me I am the host of Ladies and Ligaments which is a queer centered uh, horror podcast where we just kind of talk about different aspects in horror that pertain or may be a little less explored um, by the queer uh, audience. And I also have a newsletter that I started in January last year um, called EOHAG, which is just my little baby angel. I love EOHAG so much. Um, It's just a monthly uh, horror newsletter where I put out books I'm reading, movies I'm watching, uh, causes I care about, people whose work I love. And uh, I write an essay each uh, month that pertains to horror in some weird, fun fashion. But aside from that, I am also um, just really throwing myself into writing right now. And I'm hoping by this time next year, I'll have enough um, poetry to publish a book. But that is a day-by-day thing. And and we're just gonna see where it goes. But that's that's what I got going on right now. It's it's not a lot, but it's very exciting. Yeah, it all sounds really good. I love the newsletter. You're so personal in it. Um oh, gosh. like I know I'm like I can 
I forget sometimes on the podcast that I'm like not just like chatting to a friend and I like say personal shit sometimes and and I forget but I don't know I feel like I couldn't write it down and put it out there but you like put it all out there and it's great like it's so relatable some of it I mean we have spoke about certain things before that we have similar in our past anyway but you really just put it all out there and in such like an eloquent way as well oh gosh thank you I mean the way you're able to kind of say things uh, that are personal for you, um, it's it's much easier for me to write it out. Um, I'm not super articulate in the spoken word, but when it's something that I can put a little more thought into, I feel more confident and I feel, I don't know, um, I think there's a, a, a confidence that comes with being like, okay, I'm secure enough to write this down and just have it be out there forever. That's part of what the newsletter was kind of like an exercise for me to do in being more personal and standing by my name. Um, I wrote a lot growing up without getting personal, without um, any names or really identifying details, a lot of blogging about like abuse and and growing up in, in tough situations and whatnot. But now being able to kind of stand by all of that with my name and by infusing it um, with my love of horror, it's so freeing and beautiful. And the way it's been received by people um, I know and people I don't know is moving and it just makes me love horror even more. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Um... Sorry, that was a lot of word vomit, but I appreciate you letting me spew that. No, you're fine. Um, okay, so let's get into burying the ex. I have I have a lot of feelings and I want to get them out. <laughs> <laughs> so the IMDb plot for burying the ex is a guy's regrets over moving in with his girlfriend are compounded when she dies and comes back as a zombie. So this came out in 2014. Stars Anton Yelchin, Ashley Green, and Alexandra Daddario was directed by Joe Dante, as you'd said, Blaine, and he directed Gremlins 1 and 2, The Howling, and Small Soldiers, which is a personal favourite of mine, and uh, it was written by Alan Trezza. I think one of my, like, main criticisms of this film is that you can really tell it was, like, men behind the um creative force um one of my biggest things about this film is I feel like I want to walk around with a big placard that says justice for Evelyn because she is written in such a way to make her seem so annoying and like she's the problem she's not like as mentioned numerous times in the film that she's lost her mum and she really wants to be close to her boyfriend Max and you know it is like an unhealthy amount of closeness but it's like she's a traumatised person she needs therapy and a friend like and I, I like I feel bad for her character I 
from the very beginning, it is so clear that, yes, like you're right, Alan Treza and all of the other men <laughs> that helped make this movie um, really put their man stamp on it. <laughs> and, and it's so frustrating to see Evelyn get this treatment where it's very clear that she's hurting. It's very clear that she needs the closeness. She needs a certain intimacy that she's lacking right now. And it, it, he, <laughs> Max sees Evelyn as the nag, the ball and chain that is, you know, proverbial in um, horror and TV abound. But it's, I just, I love how you're, it's written so that you don't see, like I said before, the bad guy. You don't see that Anton Yelkin is actually making a really big deal out of keeping this apartment exactly the same after she moves in and like says, yeah, it's our apartment, but my shit was here first. And it's just the emotional immaturity and they're both, it's also just clear that they're not compatible um, and that she's kind of in this relationship because she needs a relationship. So yeah, like you said, justice for Evelyn, because holy shit, the way he treats her continuously, th uh, like throughout the film is just mind boggling. Yeah, it's like, it's really clear that they're just not compatible. And it's like, things that she feels passionate about him and his brother Travis like kind of make fun of her for like she's she's vegan and she's really passionate about animal rights and she's really passionate about the environment and it's like it's her passion it's also her job like she works for a company that um promotes um green like environmental things online and she blogs for that company so it's obviously something that's really important to her but it's an issue when she makes fun of his horror shit Mm -hmm. uh, but he, it's okay for him to make fun of her for being environmental and vegan and it's like yeah. you're just not compatible like break up neither of you respect or like each other and it's no. just like it's like ah oh, you're both so straight stop it <laughs> <That's> too much <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, so this movie would not have happened if either of them had proper communication skills exactly exactly like Max can't even really like communicate at his job properly. He's so unhappy in his job. And we never see Mary of Bloody Mary's, but he slags her off all the time. And it's like, just get just a new job. You have a job, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's like, he's pissing and moaning over Max's scared shack, with it, which is his, you know, future pipe dream. And he has these plans all laid out and everything. He is doing not much while working. He really could put some of these plans into place and into practice, but he would so much rather play with whatever girly costumes just came in for the shop and tell Evelyn to get down here and get in one of them. Like, ah, so gross and annoying. He is like, think about the boyfriend you had when you were 19 and Max is that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, we're also introduced very early on to Max's half brother Travis, who is the worst. <laughs> how do you like how we meet him? I love that opening so much. I mean, I like that he is not the 
conventionally attractive guy and he pulls a lot. I kind of like that aspect of him, but I think that's where my that's where that ends. Yeah. And that's kind of more a win for the casting department. <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> if that was like a conventionally attractive guy, he would still be an asshole. Because mm-hmm. the dialogue's just not great. The dialogue for Travis, I mean, for everyone is is lacking, but for Travis specifically is so rank. Like he speaks terrible Spanish to his landlord or who, you know, he thinks is his landlord. Um, he is continuously just speaking, I don't need like trash about women into mm. their faces, about them and everything. And um, yeah, he's got this obsession with using Max's apartment as like a sex shack. Um, and I personally, if I were Evelyn, I too would be like, Mary Kate, Ashley, you can't go home, but you got to get out of here or you don't have to go home, but you need to leave. Um, it was just, I love, I love this Travis aspect because you're, he moves the movie along really well too. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so early on in the film we spoke about Bloody Mary's shop and um, Max phones Evelyn out of her job she's working and it's like hey do you want to come to the shop for a quickie basically and then you know they do the deeds everyone has a good time we assume Um, but there's this like Satan genie that's like kind of in the background it got delivered earlier that day and Evelyn is kind of talking about like her mum passing away and how like all she loves that Max is there for her and how they both just wish that they could be together forever and ever but it was one of those things like I'm shouting at the tv it goes to the the Satan and then the eyes glow and I'm like even before they glow I'm like oh no and then the eyes glow I'm like oh no (laughs) It's like, stop, don't do it. Um, yeah, I love, I want that little genie. He's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think of this, like, twist with the genie? Because I guess it's, like, a bit of a trope, like, you know, the mysterious shop with the stuff in it and, you know, you make a wish, but it's not what you expect it to be. Because uh, it does it's... come true, but just in a very unconventional way. It is kind of a hodgepodge of different um, myths and superstitions, which I just love. Um, The Satan Genie, I think that was kind of like a throwaway because when you're looking back on the movie, you barely remember the Satan Genie. Like it's kind of just like, well, what do you mean? Like, why didn't she die? Oh, right, right, right. The Genie, the Genie when they were boating, it it worked. Um, But I love it's simplicity. I think simplicity throughout this movie works in its favor. Um, and I think it was a good choice. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I get what you mean about the genie as well, because I feel like in this kind of thing, um, 
I watched a, like a terrible Christmas film with uh, Jennifer Garner in it. It was on Netflix. Oh. I think it's called like The Family Switch or like The Family yeah. Switch Up or something. There's good parts in it, but there's like far too many fart jokes. But anyway, there's a <laughs> thing that happens and then all the family is like rushing around to try and fix it because they find out a way to fix it. And that never happens in this film. And like, that's also the trope that they're like, they look on the internet or there's some dusty old book that just so happens to open on the right page and they figure out how to how to solve it and that doesn't happen here um do you think that like hurts hurts the film do you think it helps the film I hadn't thought about that and I I kind of think that that also whether intentional or not is another kind of um ringer for like a this men made this because <laughs> because it's like wait what's the resolve it's no they just decided to kill them again and like just not do anything about the zombie brother and move on um there wasn't it it felt very true to life in that they wouldn't realize there was a satan genie that was responsible for this they wouldn't even bother asking the question of how this happened <laughs> Mm. they just decide well this is life now and how are we gonna deal with it by what the horror movies tell us um I I don't want to keep breaking or, or like giving this movie a break but I do again think like they just kept it simple and for <laughs> for the caliber of this film it makes perfect sense yeah I mean they kind of get rid of the problem at some point like it breaks so I guess before they can even find out how it even happened it breaks um so I guess yeah I guess that deals with that um <laughs> but before but it's a hole it's just like a plot hole of just like wait what do you mean <laughs> like nobody asked a question and I'm just like overthinking in my head now like how this film was very set on like Evelyn being the bad guy. She's not the fucking bad guy, but we could have had this thing where she was like brought back to life and she sees that Max and Olivia are happier together and she kind of realizes that she has to move on and do her own thing and she doesn't need or she shouldn't need a man to kind of get over like her mom's death or something like that. And it like it, it could have been so great. <laughs> but this film's so set on Evelyn being like the evil manipulative one and she's not she's just got a lot of stuff going on you know <laughs> they really tried to make Evelyn like the new monster like there mm. is Frankenstein Dracula and Evelyn the crazy ex-girlfriend like it um it really reeks of like just don't look any further than this girl sucks like yeah. everything that you know men hate about women or like insist they want in a woman but then abandon immediately after they've done with Evelyn um so I do think she's a stand-in for every quote-unquote bad girlfriend um any teen boy has ever had <laughs> so after they've done the deed at the at the horror shop um Later on, Max and Evelyn move in together, and then on this other day, where they're just like cutting about, they go to this horror themed ice cream shop 
and Evelyn's already a bit like oh I don't want to go in like they're not going to have anything for me because uh, she's vegan she doesn't take dairy uh, but they go in anyway Max is very insistent and this is where we meet Olivia Alexandra Daddario's character and she owns and runs the shop and there's many obscure horror pop culture references in here and you just see the sparks flying immediately, don't you? Like, and you Evelyn just... sees them too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, like, I feel like people, like, the movie's trying to make us think Evelyn's the bad guy here, but I feel like jealousy is a normal feeling in a relationship. You know, insecurity is a normal feeling for anybody. It's like, did she act on it in a kind of in the wrong way like maybe maybe they should have spoke about it at home but she was feeling her feelings perfectly normal I would say and you know she had a little she had a, she had a moment I don't see anything and wrong with that who among us has not gotten really jealous of Alexandra Daddario <laughs> and just stomped right out of whatever establishment we realized we were jealous of her and um she is <laughs> I can think of an instance where I was Evelyn in that scenario. And I can also think of an instance where I was Alexandra or, or uh, Olivia in that scenario. And in both cases, I think I just really badly want to blame Max <laughs> because at no point was he like, hey, my, you know, girlfriend is vegan or anything like that. Do you think there's anything, you know, for her here? There was no introduction. There was no including her in their conversation until she was like, what the fuck is Fruit Brute? Um, Which was such a, like, this ice cream shop is so fucking cute. It's called (laughs) Ice Cream. Get out of here. She's adorable. (laughs) And she's rocking around to her little um, song, like, at the at the ice cream uh, it's just she's perfect this scenario is is what you imagine your ex-boyfriend using as the sole reason you guys need to break up Mm. (laughs) um you were so insecure in that ice cream shop I just can't be with someone who doesn't want me flirting with other people right in front of them um that's where I kind of want to just be like Max like you knew what you were doing Mm. he was gross and it came out (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're so right, because I feel like even just saying, like, hey, do you sell any vegan options for my girlfriend would have calmed that situation right down, but he did not give a fuck in that situation. He just saw a pretty girl that was into all the same things as him and was just gone. Yeah. Um, But we're supposed to think Evelyn's the bad one here, and it's not, it's, it's Max. And then after the shop, she it's like she's crying after this as well. Yes. She's crying. Like, she breaks down and she's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I, you know, it's, uh, no, this is, she was just like, sorry, I'm getting confused because after that, she renovates the apartment, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I will hold that until that conversation because- These small things are happening like in their relationship during this transition where she is moving in and he is not registering. Like we don't see him comprehend that this is a big transition for her. This is a big Mm. change. 
and she needs to find a way to feel comfortable. Um, and so it makes sense that like right after she moves in with him, they go to an ice cream shop and she gets jealous and she starts like freaking the fuck out. Um, I would, I too would be like, oh my God, did I just move in with a Bobo who's going to treat me like I'm invisible in front of pretty girls? Um, uh, yeah, Max is the bad guy. I'm sorry. We can continue. <laughs> yeah, oh no, it's just making me reminded me of a horrible memory with an ex boyfriend who I lived with, and like we were like having this argument. I can't remember what it was about, and like we lived together at the time. He was like, "I never would have lived with you if I realized you liked me this much." And I was kind of thinking, what the fuck do you think we're doing? Like, we'd been going out for a couple of years at this point, and we'd lived together for most of that because we very much rushed in. And it's like, I am, like, I'm not your friend. Like, I'm your girlfriend. Like, it's different. And I think Max kind of thought the same. Like, he could keep his, like, lad pad and everything would just be the same except you have like sex on tap and it's like no like th- this is actually like progression you'll know what it's like you've lived with long-term partners before as well and it's like you make a home together yeah like, you're not just like roommates like oh you need a place to stay come on in like <laughs> and don't change anything it's not he doesn't comprehend that this is a step in a relationship that you take when you want more for each other and not when you're kind of feeling like she's a nag and I guess this will just shut her up for a little while. That makes no sense. (laughs) Like there's no logic there, buddy. Exactly. So like she's, she's got a bit upset at this thing and she's, she's been like really vulnerable and saying that she doesn't want to lose him. Um, He's the only thing that makes her happy since her mum died and then we move on to the next scene and, you know, we had that earlier scene where he's phoning her at work being like, hey, do you want to come over and try on sexy costumes? So he, she's phoning him this time and being like, I've got a surprise for you. And he comes over and she's decorated the apartment and it's like full of like environmental stuff that she really likes. And she's like made it really homely. He is not happy in the slightest this is a nightmare reaction. Like, if if you did this and your partner came home, honestly, I would just be, I'd be bawling slash throwing punches because you don't, yeah, uh, he freaks out because the walls are lime green or or a nice neon green, I should say. Um, and she had put down a runner uh, or like a carpet uh, in this in the thing. And when she step when he steps on it, she says, "Whoa, whoa, that's hypo hypoallergenic, and I would like it to stay that way." Um, and he looks so put upon, like, "What? Why? Why can't I walk on a carpet with my sneakers that were out in the world?" Um, but then he's like, "Wait, where are my horror posters that were on the walls?" And she's like, "Don't worry, I put them in these drawers." Um, and she had folded them very nicely, but they were like vintage imported posters she didn't know. Um, and he just totally trashed, not trashed physically, but like shat on everything she did to make their home theirs um, and just ruined whatever buzz she had in feeling like, oh, yeah, I live here, too. Um, and it just I can't. If that happened in real life, that night would have been so tearful and sad. 
exactly it's just and then he kind of like starts to go on about how like they should be making decisions together but it's like is that what you're mad about yeah or is it that like things are changing and you don't like it um yeah and she's totally right for telling him off i like hate shoes in the house like so much it's it's gross actually it's it's really gross. you're bringing the world into your bedroom stop that people put their shoes on the couch and like on Uh beds my bed no i don't i don't like it at all well, and that also brings into question when when people wear their shoes in the house or on furniture, that also brings into question like what other like allowances are you making in your life that are also contributing to like a filthy environment? Because I don't want to come to your house. <laughs> I love those TikToks where it's like you can't eat at everyone's house because they do like absolutely crazy shit like wash their toilet seat in the dishwasher <laughs> just like excuse me I will stay walk. here <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm just never leaving my flat ever again that's right <laughs> so like after this Max is having like conversations with Travis like having a thought to himself and finally figuring out that him and Evelyn are not supposed to be together um you know Max is like not being an angel in this and I know that Evelyn's presented some difficult behaviors but she's having a hard time life alone um so he decides can do no wrong (laughs) (laughs) so he decides that they need to break up so again he phones her at work and is like can you meet me at the dog park and of course she's like he's bought me a dog He's got me a dog. So and heartbreaking. so excited. Because it's like, what the fuck else would you think when you're at the dog park? And he says, like, we need to talk. I would think the same. And I love that she's like, is it a rescue? Um, <laughs> <laughs> adopt, don't shop people. <laughs> um, so she drives to the dog park. And she sees Max, like, gives him a wave. He gives her a wave back. And she's running across the road to get to her man. And she is hit by a bus <laughs> oh my god what did you think <laughs> no I want to know what you thought what was your reaction during that scene just oh like obviously I kind of like knew that she was gonna die but I like I wasn't expecting this you know kind of like mean girls like hit by the bus thing and it's like it's actually like quite sad when she's dying as well like her face is all cut up and she's she's lying there and he's crying as well because obviously like he's gonna feel so guilty like I brought her here to dump her and she's fucking dead um so yeah there was like a lot of feelings going on and she was like I'm cold and oh god like can you imagine you think you're getting a dog and you get a bus to the face (laughs) Evelyn can't win get dead (laughs) no she literally can't win like at all um and to me the the saddest part was just like Evelyn died not knowing that she was getting broken up with Evelyn died not realizing that her boyfriend is a total tool that she like 
is so much better than Evelyn died not understanding that there's more to life than this romance. Um, And so to kind of see her paused in this moment in time with this douchebag in his arms is is just like a fuck you like the way opposite of good for her and just like she deserved better yeah like she thinks like she's in the arms of a man that loves her and like he came there to reject her and it's like this is why like i really wish there was a kind of in quotation marks, redemptive arc for Evelyn, where she kind of realised that she doesn't need Max and she could go off on her own and do her own thing, because I feel like that's what what she really needs to go to therapy for at the moment. She obviously had a close relationship with her mum who died and is kind of trying to replace that with a man. And if I would have loved to have seen her gone through that work over the course of an hour and a half to have her own redemptive arc, but instead she is the clingy, annoying girlfriend that we're supposed to hate, but we don't. Yeah, and instead, like, we are led to believe that Max truly is the prize that he thinks he is and that people want that, Um, and they don't. (laughs) Sorry, Evelyn. So... You know, Max is shutting himself away. He like because he must feel terrible. Like I know he Max should. isn't the greatest person, <laughs> but he's shut himself away. You know, he's watching horror films in the house, and um, Travis is like, like, come on, let's get out of the house. Mostly for his own gain because he wants to use Max's apartment for some weird reason, and when he has his own place to live. And um, Max runs into Olivia again and they they start to hit it off. And, like, I do like them together. I, like, Max, Max is so annoying, he's so awful to Evelyn. And also, like, later on in the film, I feel like he's quite awful to Olivia as well. He doesn't tell her the truth. And this is another thing about hate guys that I don't fucking understand. They're just like, oh, I didn't want to tell you because you'd get upset. Well, I'm fucking furious right now, so <laughs> job not well done. Yeah. <laughs> effort, effort. Fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, so they realise that they both have this love of horror and um, while they're like going for like a playful skip through the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, which... Like, kind of my only trivia thing for this film, which is, like, actually really eerie, is that is where Anton Yelchin is now buried. Bless him. 27 years old. It's absolute sin. Um, but, yeah, that's where he's now buried. And it's, like, this is actually quite a big focal point for the film. Like, this is where him and Olivia kind of fall in love. And it's also where they have sex for the first time. And it's just, like, that's that's where he is now. Bless him. It's it's such a, uh, it's so eerie, like you said, um, and it's also really beautiful to think that his mark is left on the world in his really great work, um, even if I think his horror run was very short-lived. I mean, his his whole life was ahead of him. He was really in his prime, and it was 
heartbreaking. I remember like reading about Mm. his passing and it was just shocking and it felt really wrong um, when it happened because he was so good at what he was doing and burying the ex kind of felt like it would be a drop in the bucket, but it was one of his last performances. Um, Yeah, just really heartbreaking and weird. Yeah, I think Hollywood in general is just weird. (laughs) Very weird. But the whole way he died was weird as well. And I was like, I ended up in a bit of a, like rabbit hole like looking at stuff and you know he got sent the letter from the car company about the car recall but it was recalled because of what happened to him and it's like I can't imagine being his family like a week later seeing that letter and just being like you know I know the car needs recalled it's faulty because my fucking child brother whatever died well there's he was an only child um yeah because my son died because of your faulty car like it much like this movie mr well in 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 a much more meaningful sense anton yelkin's death is really kind of um an example of there's no such thing as fair there's Mm -hmm. no such thing as redemption or um as you know, everything coming together in the end, it either does or it doesn't. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just really, it's all awful or a miracle, depending on how you look at it, depending on the day. Um, And I, I think that's something that horror can lend us. And I'm grateful that Anton Yelkin um, played a part in that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when we see Max and Olivia like frolicking through the cemetery, it was in They're the so back cute. of my mind, like, are we gonna see Evelyn's grave? And we do, and we see Evelyn as well. She had like claws and scratches her way out of that thing. Um It was so good, like the classic arm out of the grave. Beautiful. Yeah, and they were like um like parodying night of the living dead as well um so i love that nod too and um yeah like max and olivia like walk home and he's a bit like like reluctant to kind of like take it to the next like physical level so he's like you know let's stop things here like i'll see you later basically and then he gets this knock at the door and he assumes it's going to be Olivia and it's Evelyn. <laughs> this these, this seems so funny because the way he's just like, ah, like slams the door in her face, like I would have done the exact same thing. <laughs> I love, he opens the door, she's there very dead, like her face is falling apart and her teeth look weird. Um, and he's like so scared of her, but for her, it's like, oh my God, hell yeah. Like round two, let's go. And she's totally blown right past the fact that she's undead and just wants to get back to living with him. And she's, it's adorable how excited she is. And he is so not about it. And it just punctuates what their previous, um, dynamic was by a thousand yeah yeah she's so excited she's like oh we've got a second chance at this and he is 
like disgusted on like numerous levels because like a he wanted to break up with her anyway and then b like she's literally a corpse um so he's he doesn't want to like touch her he's like oh like he's gonna catch something off her or something like <laughs> even if she like brushes past him <laughs> in so many ways he's treating her more more to her face the way he treated her subliminally mm. while she was alive so like it was very clear from an outsider's perspective of their relationship in the beginning that they weren't happy they weren't right for each other um he was not being super great to her but now that she's dead and that i guess <laughs> gap is even bigger between them you are seeing exactly how he feels right on his face right in his you know reactions to her and it oh god I thought it was really poetic honestly the way they were able to bridge this um kind of metaphor for how men get restless and don't know how to take their own trash out um and it's I just I thought it was really hilarious and um fitting for something that seems so simple yeah um so olivia actually like comes to the apartment she's obviously about turned and decided that she doesn't want to wait fair enough go and get yours girl and um, <laughs> we hear evelyn in the background and max immediately starts lying to her i mean obviously who's going to believe that my ex-girlfriend or my girlfriend because they didn't break up my girlfriend's come back from the dead who's gonna believe that but um immediately starts making up some cock and bull story about uh, how the walls are really thin and that's why he didn't want to do anything with her because you can hear everything i'm just too good at sex like we, <laughs> we have to wait <laughs> you're gonna be screaming your head off we have to wait for the soundproofing guy to come in <laughs> so yeah like max now is just basically trying to hide evelyn from olivia have you ever been in a relationship where someone was trying to hide you no but i have been in a few like odd relationships like i went out with this one guy for like five months he's such an asshole actually and i never once went to his house i don't even know his address um <laughs> i know right i knew so that creepy. he lived like within like 15 to 20 minutes of me because he told me like that's how long it took to get there but i didn't know his address um i never ever went to his house and i like i remember i told like my counselor that and she was like right rotten <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically and then he ghosted me a week after my nana died so he was not so a very nice person <laughs> what a little fuck i know Yuck. yeah um <laughs> so Travis Travis is Travising and he goes up to no he sees Max with Evelyn they kind of go on this night out and Evelyn is just like cuz I don't know does she know she's dead or is she just like like she doesn't address it. She's just happy-go-lucky, super excited to be here. Um, because when they go out, 
he's um max suggests let's go to this goth club so you'll blend in a little more um (laughs) (laughs) so she's dancing and having a great time and she wants to get drunk um and max goes to the bartender and says do you have anything that's like an elephant tranquilizer and the bartender's like oh yeah absinthe so he gives a glass to evelyn and evelyn shoots it back like it's kool-aid and she says another and he goes uh your funeral and she says oh been there baby done that like so she knows she has to know that like she was buried in a grave (laughs) like whether she's still dead or not people assume she was um so yeah the whole just cognitive dissonance to like sure I'm I I was dead quote unquote but it's fine now I'm here um I I just love that about her So she does like six shots of absinthe, just like three doubles. And, you know, she's eventually outside, like puking up behind the <laughs> bin. We've all been there, we've all done it. And um, Travis stumbles upon them both and he freaks out. Do you not phone Travis like in a crisis? He's not going <laughs> to be there for you at all. He's just going to cry and accuse you of going necro <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so and he also bumps into olivia uh, here as well with her friends and i'm like olivia girl it's so obvious there is a girl behind that bin and she says nothing absolutely nothing like i don't know if she thinks he's a nice guy like helping a girl or what but i would have like I would. I, been, don't I, would, I don't know if I would have said something to him, but I would have been saying to my like two girlfriends that I was with, "This is fucking sus." Yeah, especially after they started making fun of him, um, because he said something really cringe, and they laughed at him. But yeah, I would be definitely be going to my friends and being like, "Huh, he must be a really good friend, right?" Because that's just a friend whose hair he's holding. Um, but I, if I were in Olivia's position, I would probably be like, okay, yeah, he's he's just a really nice guy and he's a very good friend. And they went out and they're friends and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I feel like when you get to a certain point and you like really, really like something, you, someone, like you do you kind of start to make those irrational conclusions in your head. Um like I did with the guy who's addressed it. No, I was like, oh. I feel like I, that's a reasonable, <laughs> it's a reasonable jump. <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like you start to make these things and you speak to your friends and they're mm-hmm. just like, I think you should dump him. And I'm like, I think you're being harsh. <laughs> but it's like, I know if the shoe was on the other foot, I'd be like, are you fucking dumb? Like, dump him. <laughs> like, just let me be dumb a little longer, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss, as they say. So that's exactly just- right. <laughs> um so he stumbles across travis he like absolutely craps his pants but they start talking about like beheading evelyn they like at this point in the film they really start to get into those like what are your typical get rid of zombie tools that we would have learned from the films so they start talking about decapitating her um, which is like it's also like morbid because we know that Travis hated Evelyn and it just it it just feels like 
so extreme like you know when you get to that point in a like relationship or you maybe hear about other people getting to that point in a relationship where they know they should dump someone but then they end up coming up with these like elaborate plans so that they will dump be dumped that's exactly right oh my gosh Yes. Um, that's another situation I've been in where it's just like, why do you keep acting so irrational and weird and yelling? Um, oh, you just want me to break up with you. That's fine. <laughs> um, but I, I really appreciate, um, the levity that Travis brings to the planning of, um, beheading Evelyn because of his comedic hatred of her. We're able to, take more pleasure or enjoy what would have been like more of an I am legend scene. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, I think I appreciate the nod that this movie gives to other zombie movies. I feel like we could have gone in on that a little more though. Um, I feel like there, <laughs> I would have liked to see a little more heavy handed nods to um, other zombie movies. Like we got a really good night of the living dead both the movie and the reenactment in the cemetery. Um, and someone, I read somewhere that they think uh, Evelyn's name comes from that movie, um, The Night Evelyn Crawled Out of the Grave or something like that. Oh, um, yeah. And they're just other like Joe Dante uh, nods as well. But I would have loved to see, I don't know, just a little bit more oomph there. Yeah, like you have like a zombie movie which features two zombie, uh, horror enthusiasts as main characters there could have been a lot more fun to be had with that and it could have been very wink wink nudge nudge for those like died in the wool horror fans and then also just like a fun zom rom-com for people who aren't as familiar with zombie films or other horror films but yeah that is like they've missed a trick there for sure so olivia turns up to at the shop the next day um and it feels like like her final straw is max being on the phone and evelyn's on the other side like why are you not saying love you back and it's so obvious on either end that there's a girl there. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, he's, she, Evelyn goes, I love you. And he goes, wow, that's great. That is really great. And she goes, well, aren't you going to say it back? And he's like, I'm with a customer. God, mom. Um, And, <laughs> and Olivia's just like, that's weird. Okay. If I were Olivia in that scenario, I would no longer be like, oh yeah, it's just a girl. Like he's just talking to a girl and it's fine and they're friends and that's it. I would be like, I need to leave. <laughs> I need to not talk to this person anymore. Cause that was painful to watch. It really was. And that's what she like should have done. But instead she's like, oh, I was going to go to the cemetery and watch Night of the Living Dead tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow, or it might be that night. And she's like, if you come, like, let's make it work. If you don't, fine, like, we'll just dead it. I was like, girl, you should have just deaded it. Like, you should have just deaded it there and then. She's, she's given some history uh, of her dating background, too. And she's made some questionable dating decisions, as we all have. Um, But, like, her last relationship was with an uber-Christian. 
And she made him choose between herself or God and the guy chose God. Um, So I don't know (laughs) that either of these two are coming from very healthy places. Um, And maybe, maybe they just need to make each other fun mistakes. Yeah. I forgot about that scene where she talks about how she stripped naked and said, choose between me or God. And I was like, that was another thing. It's like, red flag a man wrote this because like you're not gonna do that i definitely could imagine having that conversation with someone like you have to pick one you really shouldn't i feel like with religion maybe she probably should have just left but um (laughs) you wouldn't i just can't imagine in any rational scenario like a woman doing that I don't know. I, again, they're trying really hard to make Max seem like this big prize. Um, like, who wouldn't want to date a man who works at a horror shop for minimum wage and who won't let anyone change anything in his life? Yeah, oh. true. So, um, the previous night, Max and Travis have spoke about beheading Evelyn. So Travis turns up to the apartment under the guise of needing this DVD that Max has borrowed and like he has his machete like hidden away like ready to behead Evelyn um, and he's just there and he's just like annoying the fuck out of Evelyn like I was <laughs> just full on watching porn on their couch <laughs> As Evelyn's just like hanging around, <laughs> like Evelyn's just walking around her own living room, and he's like, "Ooh, I love this part. This girl's amazing." While like quote unquote hiding his machete between yeah. the cushions. Are you kidding me, sir? Um. So there's like a part in the film where like the girls are like eating brains or something, or somebody's eating brains, and this just triggers like the last kind of like zombie instinct in Evelyn and she decides she wants to eat Travis's brains and I was literally like sitting watching I'm like did anyone eat eat his brains there's nothing there (laughs) anybody else's anyone's now I thought (laughs) that's one of the thoughts that came to mind because she bites into his head from behind him and immediately this flood of blood comes out and that's (laughs) I got this feeling like "Mm, there must not be a whole lot going on there so it just came right out (laughs) (laughs) because wow what a gusher maybe that's what his brain is that sounds really delicious Oh, that would be good. I kind of loved how like, I don't think I've ever really seen that before where like the zombie just kind of like goes in with the teeth, cracks the skull open and starts to eat. Like I, I like that. Yeah. And I like those teeth do not look strong enough to do that. They oh. um don't even really look good enough for much at all. But <laughs> um I love the mechanics of zombies just being able to bite in and tear at anything. It, it's delicious to watch. And I loved seeing Alice from Twilight in full zombie mode. It was so cool. <laughs> For sure. Um, so kind of while that is going on, or maybe after that's happened, um, I can't quite remember the timeline, um, Max and Olivia 
I've decided to both go to the the cemetery showing of Night of the Living Dead, which I don't know, is that disrespectful or is that the coolest thing ever? Because I was just gonna say that's so fucking cool, but then I'm like, oh, is it okay to like lie on dead bodies and watch? That's where I'm. That's where I come to because I love cemeteries, but I am very careful about not touching graves or not walking over graves or anything like that. So I'm. I haven't participated obviously, and I haven't seen how they participate in real life in this event. But I'm interested to see what the rules are about mm-hmm. leaning on or near headstones because the way they depicted it in the movie just made me very nervous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're just like they're just like making out like it's like very close to a grave. Like I'm not, I'm not like. Ooh. I mean, sounds hot, but is it ethical? <laughs> I well, there's a shortcut like at a time like through a graveyard. It's like a really really old one because it's got like plaques to denote various people from like the 1700s and stuff um and I walk the dog through it sometimes and I'm like I feel a bit weird I kind of like yeah. if I feel like he's gonna pee I'm like pull him away I'm like can't pee on someone's grave it's so disrespectful but Just... then it's like his four little paws like crawling like pattering over and you know that way I don't know if they have this saying in um, like in the US but like if you get a shiver someone will be like oh that's somebody walking on your grave and it's like I wonder how many people in the past shivered because my little pug just like walked over the grave <laughs> it's so if weird. they knew who was pitter pattering I'm sure they would be honored <laughs> yeah they would be okay with it they're like oh yeah, I would. little boy that's fine <laughs> exactly <laughs> so or Max and Olivia go to watch Night of the Living Dead, start making out, and before the film's even over, they take things back to Olivia's car and they end up having sex. Ooh. Ooh. And of course it's Olivia's car because Max doesn't have a car. He took his Razor scooter <laughs> to, the, <laughs> yeah. to the cemetery. That's the thing about this man that we're told throughout this entire film who is desirable. Like he is miserable in work, he has like no money. And he rides a scooter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Enjoy. But I also, the this scene and the devouring of Travis, um, they were layered together in such a cool way that I was like, okay, this Joe Dante made this. Um, because as Evelyn is going to town on Travis both Olivia and Max are going to town on each other. And so we just go back and forth in, you know, these metaphors for each other where sex is often, you know, related to eating someone else or, you know, there's a lot of sexual depictions um, between gore and copulation. So I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, And that felt right in a man's lane. Like, okay, you get this. You understand these two metaphors. Go to town. And they did it well. <laughs> yeah, very true. Um, so Max and just had the time of his life the night before. He's finally done the deed with Olivia, who he really likes. And he comes back and he's, Travis is dead in the living room. And um, Evelyn is just kind of determined that she's going to kill anybody that gets in her and Max's way now. So she, he kind of tries to like peacify her for like a moment with a bubble bath, which, you know, not a bad idea. If someone offered to run me a bath, I would forget about a lot of things as well. <laughs> um, but he like barricades her in there and um, 
um, so she can't get out and he <laughs> phones the police uh, but obviously they don't believe him um, like right now this is when you get anybody else involved like you really could have convinced your new girlfriend or like uh, told her what was going on and gotten some help but no like, you, what you're not even he's just so dumb Lindsay he's so dumb <laughs> um so like he must leave his phone behind or something because Evelyn like eventually reala- like looks through the phone and realizes that Max and Olivia are together and she's not happy about it. Um and she kidnaps Olivia. Which I'm just like, girl, don't like don't blame her. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not okay. You I I again, this is another like okay this is every man's dream they're gonna get two women fighting over him one's dead and very strong and the other one's just hot and really into horror and who could ask for more it's what's the end game max what's the end game there's none exactly so um yeah max goes back to the apartment he sees olivia's all tied up and um like everybody kind of like starts fighting to try and save Olivia basically and we also find out during this kind of crazy tussle that Travis is not dead is actually zombie I mean I guess he is dead then but like I fully thought that that Evelyn had just like eaten all of his brains yeah which I I mean she did a number on him so I mean I was kind of like I wasn't like I'm just like what (laughs) when he kind of like popped back up again because I was just like there's no fucking way that there's anything left in there exactly I was like what reanimated I I just the brain is it's the whole thing of it right Mm. you you need a brain or someone's brains to keep going and she ate his he's gone I mean I don't he didn't have a lot to begin with I grant you Uh, I just feel like I don't know I don't know. That's one whole plot hole that I'm. I'm. This doesn't add up zombie wise. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And there's kind of another one later on as well that I'm just like, huh. Um, but yeah, um, Evelyn is eventually taken care of when Travis stabs her through the chest with a machete, which again kind of goes against the zombie rules that we were kind of playing with before. It's I don't I I've never I've not watched every single zombie thing in existence, but I'm pretty sure it's through the head. Like you yeah. need to go through the brain, through the skull. I like, and I so we have to that. ask the yeah we have to ask the question. Um, so are the creators of this film ignoring what we were told in the past works against zombies, or are they creating their own lore off of that? Um, because there is some discussion of beheading her, removing the brain and everything like that. But that kind of goes out the window and you're left wondering, like, okay, what are the rules then? What yeah. You can just stab anyone and they'll die. Why Why would stabbing a zombie be any different? Exactly. So she's stabbed and then Max and Olivia re-bury her back in her plot. But it's like... Yeah, is she, is she actually dead? Is she not? Like, I, I don't know. Could she just, like, crawl her way back out of there? It's just, it's Be weird. a perennial at this point? Like, is she just going to come back in a few weeks like a bad weed? 
Exactly. Um, so slightly earlier on, Olivia mentions that there is space next to her shop that can be rented. And Max has kind of got went on and on and on all through the film about how he wants to have his own horror shop. So fast forward one year later, Max and Olivia are still together. Very cute. Max has quit his job at Bloody Mary's and has opened his own shop with his own horror memorabilia and next to the ice cream shop. So they're now partners in life and partners in business, which sounds cute, but that could go wrong very quickly. I've been watching very problematic. Um, Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares. I kind of go through phases <laughs> where I watch this on YouTube and it's just like the amount of like relationships that crumble because the restaurant is going down. Um, Restaurants aren't stable. Neither are relationships. You need to choose one. <laughs> exactly. Um, so obviously he's making money now because Max surprises Olivia with an engagement ring um, which she accepts so they're now engaged after a year of being together and then we see at the end that zombie Travis is like sign spinning outside of the ice cream shop and it's just like I get I, context I assume, for this <laughs> I assume that people will think he's in makeup but we saw over the course of the film I have to assume the film maybe takes place over a month max um like she eventually ended up developing a taste for brains exactly like she was deteriorating and she was deteriorating yes so So it doesn't make sense what how has this not come to bite them in the ass a year later like having this zombie man like just running around i mean has his behavior changed much from when he was alive? Probably not. But I I feel like that's a liability, at least for their business. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, he had an insatiable appetite for women as a human. Like, surely that must translate into his zombie form as well. Um, are they picking people off the street for him to eat? Like, that's does he have his own little shed, like in Shaun of the Dead? <laughs> That's what I was thinking about as well. Like, do they just like tie him up somewhere and be like, you stay there? <laughs> or like, I don't know, do they get him like animal brains him, from the butchers? Yeah, who wants to keep him? It's <laughs> like the worst dog ever. <laughs> I don't want him pitter pattering over my grave. <laughs> oh god yeah so yeah so many unanswered questions about travis and it's like the worst person to have unanswered questions about because i don't like him to begin with and he has no redeeming qualities he was very unkempt he was broke he was misogynistic he didn't keep very nice facial hair either that was gross just just not you know a lot of lot of work to be done that unfortunately now that he's dead he can't do yeah exactly um so yeah it's like it's a funny it's like a weird ending because i am as much as like max isn't the greatest it's like him and olivia have undeniable chemistry i do feel like they are supposed to be together certainly in this film anyway with all of the people that we meet like they seem like the best ones together so it is nice that they're together and their businesses are thriving and they're engaged 
a bit soon if you ask me, but I've been single for seven years, so don't. Uh <laughs> Good for you. Um, yeah, that is very very soon. Like I don't know. He just got like a good paying job and probably your first apartment together. You have not seen this man go through anything worse than breaking up with someone <laughs> or, you know, not breaking up with someone, but killing them instead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't marry him. What? <laughs> um, so like, that's, that's the end of burying the ex being end with Travis in his, zombie form spinning signs many questions unanswered <laughs> and um yeah max and olivia are together with their little separate um horror businesses which is which is quite cute adorable <laughs> for years um, after this movie it was like goals like i want horror businesses next to each other like if we are not dead like holding hands with our horror businesses I don't want it. Um, but then that's not realistic. And like we just got done talking about having a business and while you're in a relationship is just a nightmare. It is. It it really is. Um because it's that way, like when I've been watching uh, Kitchen Nightmares, it's like if other similar businesses open up in the vicinity, like yours could just tank because it's like people would go there just because it's there but now if there's something better they're gonna go elsewhere so it's like if a forbidden planet or something opens up who's gonna go to max's yeah max's hell shack or whatever the fuck he called it <laughs> and then if like a cupcake shop opens up that's got some kitschy little niche thing then maybe they don't want to go to the hotter ice cream shop anymore and then it tanks again and, and then what are you gonna do it's Hollywood. Do? You know those businesses are coming up all over the place. Absolutely. Irresponsible. <laughs> um so we kind of mentioned, I can't remember if it was at the start of the episode or if it was like off air, but the the box office for this film is like is is really bad. It only made six hundred and sixty-eight thousand dollars. And we both kind of agreed that. I feel like with better marketing, this film could have made quite a bit of money. I can't imagine. Like, it, it surprised me when I first watched this movie that nobody was talking about it. But now, 10 years on, I rarely hear anybody talk about it. And I think that has a lot to do with uh, marketing and advertising and knowing how to sell a movie. Um I think the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about um, advertising misses, of course, is the Jennifer's Body uh, media circus and how they didn't know what to do. But it feels like for this one, they just stepped back altogether and decided not to promote it, um, which feels like, I mean, you kind of shot yourself in the foot. This had a lot of um, potential to be a big um cult hit yeah like it it didn't even get a cinema release it just went straight onto video on demand it hit the festival circuit and it just went straight onto vod so it never even got a cinema run which and like i just think is insane because like we both agree i feel like with the right marketing this could have made a bit of money um i have seen it compared to jennifer's body quite a bit on that front because yeah Jennifer's body was 
horribly mismarketed um and yeah was just kind of derided for years and then the actual audience found it and was like hey this is a fucking masterpiece and this is not a masterpiece but it's fun it's fun you could have had fun at the cinema with this film i feel like this is like a tucker and dale like this could really easily be one of those movies and for some reason it's just not um especially after anton yelkin's passing i really would have loved to see that um you know posthumous uh popularity Mm. that's a good word yeah um so yeah i just i just think it's a shame for this film and then we when we get onto the ratings as well i feel like i mean obviously we've kind of spoiled all the film for you if you haven't watched it at this point but don't look at the reviews of this (laughs) film just watch it because this film is shot on something chronic online is like in terms of like critics and and audience ratings as well actually and I do sometimes I, f- I look at these and I'm just like do you guys just like not know how to have fun or something like no they don't know how to have fun and they don't know how to watch horror um no. I feel like a lot of people watch or just randomly click on one of these horror movies expecting a blockbuster experience if uh, without realizing that horror is historically lower budget um and is celebrated for that with what they're able to do with a lower budget and with more imagination. Um, So when people click on these, you know, uh, on-demand movies, they're they're missing something. They're not aware of what they're consuming. They're just expecting, you know, what is it? Daddy made you some content type of deal. Like, (laughs) okay, just mindlessly consume and be on your way. It also feels like those kind of people are just looking for something to shit on. Oh, yeah. There's such miserable people in the kind of critic world. Um, that's, kind of, that's kind of why I like doing girlfriend, girlfriends. Girlfriends? Where are girlfriends? Where are girlfriends? <laughs> um, like trying to find something positive to do uh, with the film like at all times like trying to keep it you know easy breezy beautiful um like Sophie and I have just finished up doing all the Dracula content and we really go out of our way to be like super duper positive about it um because like it, it's hard out there and it, it's just not nice when someone shits on something that you love and I absolutely hate it when people make you feel stupid for liking things as well you know it's that way like, it's like you're so you're such a fucking baby if you don't like this and it's just like leave leave them alone let people like what they like exactly leave Brittany alone <laughs> my one of my most I, I want to call it like my 13th reason which I know is not cool but it's a memory I have from a creative writing class and this lower classman looked over at me during the class and he goes hey you still read Stephen King and I just wanted to throw that goddamn book at his face because how do you go to any one person and say oh you're still reading x y and z like you that doesn't even compute in my brain let people read what they want to read let people love what they love and celebrate them for that because it's not easy to love things in this world i think as well as like women femme presenting people i think 
particularly you get shot on for things that you like you know the whole thing about people liking boy bands and things like that and it tends to be like a young femme audience that likes those kind of things so I think as well that's maybe why I feel so strongly about it because I like I don't like feminine things being shot on just for being feminine what the fuck is wrong with being feminine absolutely nothing um yeah so that's why I like I love girlfriends I love taking up that space I love being like cute and cozy and girly and talking about things and talking about things that are important to us and you know having deep chats or just watching something like burying the ex and having a laugh about it because like that I feel like that's what the movies are about in the first place you know absolutely and I love ghoul friends for that because (laughs) I know when I come here I can be myself I don't have to don this like super intellectual mask to talk about a movie that is just ridiculously bananas (laughs) um and and just have fun celebrating these hot young people who made a really cool movie exactly so in terms of online ratings um this got a 5.4 out of 10 on imdb 28 percent from rotten tomatoes critics and a 29 from the audience and it's got 2.6 out of 5 on letterbox um which are all super low which i think is such a shame but I wonder too, like, did someone decide like, okay, we're going to start a hate campaign against this movie because it feels so pointed. It doesn't make sense. I'm like, I'm really surprised by like the Rotten Tomatoes audience score. I like, I feel like that maybe would have been more in line with the IMDb and the letterbox, like around that 50, 60, um, at least. Um, But to have it so low... But it's you. Have you seen that meme that it's like you watch a film and you think it's like a masterpiece, and then you go online and you realize it's like, cr- like critically, commercially, bad. <laughs> and that's kind of like me with this film. I'm like, oh, this is really fun, and it's like everyone fucking hates it except us. <laughs> that was my experience too. Like that's I've just been waiting around for like ten years now. Like, did you see it? Have you watched it yet? Do you love it? And then I just keep refreshing IMDb, and it's like, nope, actually, it's lower. <laughs> Fine. So, so, like, what would you rate burying the X out of ten? I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten. Um, I think the performances were wonderful. And I do love Joe Dante's work. It's the writing um, that I have a problem with the most. And even then, it's just, okay, I I, I guess you're just a dude doing dude things. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Uh, and it, again, for me, it's like it was the writing that let it down as well. There, There is a gem of a film in here. Like, I, I wish... Hollywood would listen to like film fans when we say like remake like bad in quotation mark films like give this a remake give Evelyn a redemption arc at the end where she lives and she can live on her own and Max and Olivia can be happy and Evelyn can be happy and it would be so good someone please and Travis just dies (laughs) yeah Travis is the one that dies not Evelyn Yes. Get rid of that shit right the fuck now. Um but I agree. Um it's 
it's a lot of fun. It's the writing that is just like, uh, which is surprising because this is written by, oh gosh, what's his name? Um, Alan Tetreza. And he ended up writing We Summon the Darkness, uh, which also has Alexandra Daddario in it, which was just a little, not much more, but it was just a little bit more uh, feminist leaning um, hmm. and had a bit more of a, a twist to it. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool to see that growth for Alan Treza's writing and to kind of see this stamp in time of just yeah this is what b movies looked like and no they didn't sound great but they looked really cool <laughs> yeah for sure so that's the end of the episode that's the end of the spooky sleepover um i can't believe we've just done the first review of 2024 i'm like i don't want to go Blake. let's just like stay and talk more <laughs> this is so much fun i have a blast with you <laughs> this has been so good thank you so much for coming back on thank Uh, you and where can people find you online so the best place to find me is at blaine waterloo that's b-l-a-y-n-e-w-a-t-e-r-l-o-o at card.co c-a-r-r-d.co because all my links are there um and they just differ so yay (laughs) they are (laughs) um (laughs) I am at Hyatt's Lindsay underscore on all social media. You can find the podcast at Girlfriend Pod on Twitter and Girlfriends underscore podcast on Instagram. Um, I'll be back in two weeks. Um, I'm going to switch to a fortnightly schedule just because I'm on my own now and it just takes a load off a little bit. Um, I was doing like m- most of the editing and admin and stuff last year and it was kind of a lot doing it weekly so I'm gonna switch to a fortnightly uh show I hope that's okay (laughs) um but still keep cozy girlfriend vibes once a fortnight rather than once a week um so until then stay spooky